Hey everyone, glad to have you back for another episode of the City of Champions podcast. Proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by our friends over at ATB. Are you building your business but feel like you're at a crossroad? ATBX is a program that supports Alberta entrepreneurs. It's for people ready to disrupt and define their industries. It's an incubator, it's an accelerator, it is ATBX. In this 10-week accelerator, you'll receive mentoring and financial advertising that helps support Albertan businesses in the market validation stage. Learn more at atb.com atbx. So, speaking of financial advice, my guest today is a guy who went through some pretty extraordinary life experiences that totally reframed his entire outlook on the meaning of wealth and his relationship with money. Sean Maslick is the founder of The Most Hated F-Word, which is a brand dedicated to helping people learn better money habits, spend wisely, invest wisely, and take total control over their finances and their life. His website has a ton of useful blog posts with practical advice, and you can find it at themosthatedfword.com. Sean is also hosting an event in Edmonton on September 28th called Shifting Your Financial Course a non-boring personal finance conference. Uh, One thing I'll say is that when I approve guests for this podcast, I'm not looking to help promote their businesses. Um, The sell for me is whether they're doing something worthwhile in the city. So with Sean, I was skeptical at first because let's be honest, there's a ton of financial grease balls looking to catch you up in pyramid schemes all over the place. Uh, But I had a chance to look at the work and I liked uh, that it was such a practical approach to finances that all seemed to be common sense stuff that I guess isn't really that common. Uh, Sean is also, uh, he also has some great speakers for this event next month, including tech entrepreneur Ashif Maji, who's a former City Champion guest. So I highly recommend looking into it on Sean's website, uh, which I'll link to in the episode notes. So with that, please sit back and enjoy my conversation with Sean Maslick. Thanks for joining me, Sean. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me today. Yeah, no problem. How's summer treating you? Uh, summer's good. We just got back from a BC vacation mm-hmm. and uh, second vacation with the two little ones in our family. We have a seven month and my wife and I have always traveled and enjoy our, I guess, our alone time traveling. So traveling with two young kids <laughs> is a new adventure, but it's fun. But getting up at five o'clock in the morning, every morning, because we're still in Alberta time. Yeah. We were in a way happy to come home to sleep. Did you guys, you road trip or did you take a plane? Uh, we we flew out to Kelowna and then road tripped up northern BC to Whistler and then off to the island and so we put on about a th- or fourteen hundred kilometers. Oh shit! Good for you guys. Yeah, that's it. That's bold. That's ambitious. I mean, like traveling must be different now with the kids in terms of what you do. Like yeah, we we look. We were in Scotch Creek in the shoe shops mm-hmm. and we wanted to go to Whistler. We we're going to. Wonderless at the yoga meditation conference or oh. festival in Whistler and Google Maps said you can go through northern BC. I don't know if you've been up you're from BC. To get out to Whistler? Yeah. Yeah. I've never it's taken that beautiful route. drive. Yeah. But it said four and a half hours, like, all right, that's good. Mm-hmm. Eight and a half hours later we made it no. after. What was we, the hold up? This our three year old would be Dad, I gotta poop. <laughs> Do you actually have to poop? <laughs> like Do we have a diaper? Put a diaper on him. Yeah. But they just the change station in the back seat. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, baby crying and stop here and there but it was good wow that's ambitious of you guys yeah i applaud you <laughs> what do the kids do while you're at the meditation conference uh we actually had some friends who uh were from bc who were going to be up in that area so uh we let them stay in our condo we rented a one-bedroom condo for free and they mm-hmm. watched our kids throughout the daytime so sweet super nice of them and uh, we know them from here, so they know our kids, so they were happy, and yeah, wow. so it was great. Sounds like a hell of a summer you got out of the uh, the Edmonton, yeah, very bleak landscape. We lucked out thirty, well, like twenty six to thirty degrees every single day. Yeah, well, we're in BC, so it, it was it was great, despite five a.m. wake ups. Yeah, so I I um, you know I appreciate you coming on the podcast today. There, there's some specific stuff I want to talk to you about. Um, you know the. Uh, the most hated F word specifically mm-hmm. sort of your, your uh, undertaking right now, but let's, let's dive back for a little bit and talk about context, sort of where you come from, sort of what you were doing when you were younger years and how that's sort of brought you to where you are today. Yeah. So I, it really started when I was, I think like 12, mm-hmm. uh, 
I was at a family reunion in Kimberley, BC again, mm-hmm. and I was bored because I was hanging out with my older cousins, and my grandpa noticed I was bored, and he's like, hey, I got an idea. Why don't you make some money? Because I, like, I, I was, was kind of interested in money. And I'm like, all right, sure. He's like, look at all these rocks. Why don't you pick up some rocks? Mm-hmm. We'll clean them off and draw on them, and we'll sell them. I was like, okay. So I cleaned up some rocks, sold, or I drew on them, made the best happy faces and smiley faces I could think of. Mm-hmm. We built a little stand, and uh, we went to, like, it was family reunion, so they had games for the adults to play. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know at the time, but my grandpa's like, let's go to this game. And it happened to be the one that they're drinking the most at. Right. Although they're just happy adults. But uh, we set up a stand, and over the next three days, I remember counting, I made 200 bucks as a 12 year old. <laughs> just and hawking rocks. Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, after when I reflected, I learned a really valuable business lesson. Yeah. You got to make a really good product or service, mm-hmm. or you have to have a grandpa who's going to be your only customer and buy all your rocks. <laughs> He was yeah. the only one who bought my rocks. But. Right, because uh, the product was kind of shit. Yeah, right? the product was really crappy. <laughs> um, so, so you took some valuable lessons from that, eh? Yeah, and well, I, I was a hockey, hockey player and hockey fan, and I bought my first, my own first video game mm-hmm. and Don Cherry Rock'em Sock'em. I can't remember what edition that was. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was so cool that I had this money in my, po- or my wallet. It was an Oilers wallet, and I could go and buy my own thing. Yeah. So I don't know if it started from there, but I always had a keen interest <clears throat> with money and then when I went to university I I went to university because my parents were both teachers and I thought that's what you should do I wasn't against university but I was like well maybe I'll pick being a business person because that's like a very vague right, thing you don't vague, have to commit exactly. to anything that's sort of ambiguous like hey I'll be a business person because it looks like guys on TV are mm-hmm. doing well with that right? yeah I'll, I'll get a corner office I'll, I'll make money because this isn't what you do you make money everyone talks about making money yeah so I went to business school. I learned that we learn about like organizational behavior of like managing these massive companies. I, was like, I thought we we're going to talk about how to make better rocks that other people are going right. to sell. Um, and then uh, I was from a small town, Mournville, mm-hmm. and I remember meeting a lot of friends from different parts of the world and starting to go eat lunches with different people at mm-hmm. different like. Uh, different ethnic food and I was like this stuff is so good it's I mean, Ukrainian heritage I'm like my pedahe and cabbage rolls are good but yeah. like <laughs> this food is amazing specifically Asian food and I just I, my lens was pretty narrow being Mournville small yeah. town Alberta growing up there like did you was it kind of just implied that you grow up being a farmer like is that sort of like paint, paint a picture of Mournville yeah me, okay so never been there Mournville is that time about 7,000 people mm-hmm. there's a small town and believe it or not, the town people, we felt like city people. And then there was all these rural people who were on the farm. Oh, okay. so we thought, big fish in a little we, pond. We were the big fish, and we thought they were farmers. Yeah. And then when I started playing yeah. sports in the city. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I started playing sports in the city, and people were like, so do you farm? I, like, I don't even know. I, I, I don't know anything about a farm. No, like, man, I'm I live in the city. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so back to your question, Mournville's a small town. Yeah. We're, we're all farmers. Yeah. But... Uh, the city kids don't look at ourselves like that, but everyone knew each other, and uh, we commuted a lot to the city just because it's so close. Um, it was a fun place to grow up. You rode your bike across mm-hmm. town. You didn't lock your doors. I thought it was crazy when I moved to Edmonton. Like you got to lock your door. Yeah, like, just leave this open. <laughs> did your uh, Did your parents do anything that kind of replicated what your grandpa taught you in terms of of you know working for your money? I think that's something that so many kids miss growing yeah. up, right? Like. Act, you get an allowance and you can you can save it up, but like you haven't really worked for that much, right? Right. You know, my parents were I, I felt did a good job with me. We didn't specifically talk about working and getting a reward of money, but they something I value. I try to teach with my young kid, even though he's only three and a half. Is we don't just give him toys anymore. We don't just or not ever. And that's something my dad did and my mom just didn't give us stuff. If we wanted it, it well, for Christmas is coming up, your birthday's coming up. Right. Um, so we knew that things cost money and there wasn't an indefinite supply of mom and dad just giving us whatever we want. Yeah. But something specifically I remember my dad did is he was a big hockey coach and we were big hockey players and he was big in hand-eye coordination. So I remember one Christmas I got a blank check for 25 bucks and a set of juggling balls and he said... Mm-hmm. If you can juggle this in 10 days, I'll sign that check. No way. So I learned how to juggle and then ah, sign the check. Incentivized. Yeah. Like 
Next year it was a unicycle. Yeah. If you can ride the unicycle, it was fifty bucks, <laughs> and then it was juggle on the unicycle. So come on, I sure. do know how to juggle on a unicycle. So they they didn't see farming in your future, but they're definitely they did not, planning yeah. for a uh, circus clown. They they always brought us to the fringe, and then I start to realize, yeah. wait, maybe my dad's goal is to get me in the fringe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they, I mean, I don't think those guys make very much money either. So I don't I don't know what that was prepping. Had, had, had those skills come into use anywhere in life? I. The, the third time I went to see my now wife, I rode my unicycle over there to impress her. Come on. <laughs> so You thought that was going to be cool? I thought that was going to be cool. And was it? She went on a date and we got married. I don't know. She actually laughs about it now. She's like, well, of course. Is he riding a unicycle? <laughs> what, was her, what was her actual reaction? Like, after the fact, like, you guys have been together months. Like, what did she then tell you? Of, like, okay, so this is what I honestly thought. She, she actually honestly thought, because Mournville, the, the big cool thing was a big truck. Yeah. And she's like, I kind of expected you to just show up in like a nice car or truck and you showed up in a unicycle. And she's like, but I liked it. So what did you, did you put her, did you carry her on the unicycle <laughs> no, or did no, you I, carry a unicycle or did you yeah. ride alongside of her? No, I rode up to her house, threw her my shoulder and walked up and knocked on the door. <laughs> Good for you, man. That's ballsy. Where'd yeah. you guys go for your first day? Uh, we went out to my cabin. My parents had a cabin out in, west of the city and... How did you get west of the city on a unicycle? Oh, no. So I went over there and she drove, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. We didn't live very far. But on the topic of money, my mm-hmm. first date, I bought a rotisserie chicken and cottage cheese for our date <laughs> out at the cabin. And uh, she, because in our conversation, she talked that she really likes cottage cheese. So yeah. I thought it'd be romantic and quite inexpensive. Was that like the cheese appetizer? Like the cheese platter? Yeah. <laughs> it's cottage, it's but cottage. it's still It's cheese. 1% too. Yeah. Because wow. she, wa- she wanted to be health conscious. I'm like, I'll get the 1%. Just watching her figure. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. That's a, that's a life lesson to take forward too. Uh, our, one she bugged me about our second date is, I don't know if you had this where you grew up in BC, but the entertainment booklet, it was like a coupon book. Uh, yeah. Like we had various. Yeah. It was a coupon like, book. My, my parents were big on those and I loved them because two for one meals. Yeah. Our second date, first one in the city, I, 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 no shame, I brought out the coupon book and got a two-for-one meal. That's that's incredibly bold and brave. Yeah. I don't know that if that would fly in the city here. <laughs> I feel like if you brought a, a coupon book out with, with a girl in the city, you'd get laughed at, you yeah. get blasted online. Yeah, I think so. I don't know about mm. that. Well, that's good. I'm glad that all worked out. Um, and so, uh, so kind of going after high school, so what was your path there? So I, when I was in university, like I said, we, we started eating some awesome food. I started realizing the world's this big place, mm-hmm. started Googling, uh, different parts of the world. And I went up to my wife and I was like, or she was my girlfriend at that time, the unicycle work. So we started dating. Um, it's like, let's go travel. And I had a semester left in my commerce degree and she's like, all right, I'm in between. She was an EMT and went to go to nursing. So I, we just stopped our enrollment and mm-hmm. started working at Standard General. It's a construction company. I know nothing about construction, but yeah. paid well. We worked 70 hours a week. We ended up saving like 96% of our money that we made. We so made, you stopped right before you finished university? Yeah, it was good timing. Oh, oh yeah. I was going to say, why did you, why'd you do that? Why didn't you just finish? Because it was... She was in between the two, yeah. and I didn't want her to start and and like just just be a semester into her nursing degree. And I'm, right. gonna, I'm just in business. I don't really. I don't you know. can defer. I, I can defer. I yeah. didn't really have an end goal, and it just to me it was good timing. I was like, if I don't do this now, maybe I won't do it. Yeah. Okay. So, how long did you plan to go for when you left? We were hoping like six months, mm-hmm. and it ended up being just over a year. And it was, it was, it was incredible. But what, what I learned is like, yeah, if you got, we had a goal, really strict goal of saving, I want to save like 97%, but I think it was around 95. We did, we moved back with our parents and yeah. we saved up together $30,000 okay. and ended up traveling around the world for over a year. That's incredible. Thir- yeah. So. Just going to move this cord. Oh yeah. That sucker's loud when you oh, okay. pop it. And the, the, the thing that really resonated with me is a good friend of mine bought a car. I remember it was a, some sort of Volkswagen. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not good with cars, but it cost just slightly less than it, uh, than it cost us to travel around the world for two people mm-hmm. for over a year. Mock. And I thought, holy smokes, this is insane. Right. And that kind of started my evolution of like just obsessing about 
how we spend our money, not money itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but the usefulness of it, the, the usefulness of yeah, it, and the, the utility the, of it, the, the exactly the utility of it. And I always thought from my days of drawing on rocks that the goal was to create so much money. Right. But so we went on our trip. It was amazing. We, we ended up counting. We slept in 96 different beds. Jesus. Um, we had amazing experiences. Yeah. Scuba dove about 80 times, f- like literally circumference the world. We, <laughs> we started in Vancouver, flew to Vietnam, went around the entire world and mm-hmm. ended up in Nova Scotia. Uh, That's just incredible. The really long way around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, uh, did you guys, when you started off, like, was your spending higher at the start than it was at the end? Like, did you, were you figuring it out or did you go in with the intent of saying like, look, we're going to stretch this as far as we can the entire time? Yeah. I was trying to be super conservative right off the start. So it was like, you'd open up a menu is cheapest thing. We eat that. Um, so we probably underspent for the first few months, but then we realized I'm having so much fun. We don't need to spend more. Right. And, uh, we just realized that. If we just dropped X amount of money into our bank account, that's what we had a master bank account just dropped into spending money and we just mm-hmm. spent to our means. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, now spending to your means is such a difficult thing. People have a hard time spending to their means. We like to go on lines of credits and everything. Mm-hmm. But we just realized that there was also no stress. Mm-hmm. We had not, no bills. Yeah, nothing. no it was kidding. Just, it was just enjoying of, hey, where should we go scuba dive? Where should we go right. eat? And, and if you know that fits within the budget, you're never worried, never worried about going hungry or not having money to buy a place to stay or whatever. Yeah. It, yeah. So when we came back, though, that's when the money thing really hit me. So I came back and I had people saying, like, How, you're not going to finish university. I have a semester left. It's easy. So mm. I did. And um, we got back in 2009. And for whatever reason, no one wanted to hire me. Mm-hmm. And so... I applied like 200 places, legitimately 200 places. What were you applying for? Manager jobs, because yeah. I have a management degree. Right. <laughs> with zero managing experience and just coming off the heels of yeah. traveling around the world with must a big have, gear. <laughs> must have undergrad and five years of experience to get yeah. this entry level position, yeah. right? I thought I had like like a championship belt of management degree and basically a commerce degree and yeah. no one wanted to hire me. Um, Finally, I got a job in the insurance industry. And a friend of mine, of course, you need a connection, yeah. I guess. Um, but I was applying. To, I, I applied at um, a place on Jasper Ave that was a senior center, and for a supervisor for the line cooks. And I went to the interview, and it was in the um, the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to get this one. I got an interview. I'm going to get it. I studied like behavioral-based interview yeah. questions. And we're setting the bar super low. Uh, yeah. There's no risk of me not getting it. That, I, seriously, I yeah. thought. And he asked me two questions. Will you be on time and do you know how to cook? And luckily, my parents taught me how to cook. And uh, <laughs> yeah, if I have to show up on time, I'll, I'll be here if I get a job. Yeah. And in the middle of talking, this lady came out. And it was about three in the afternoon. She's like, hey. That boy's gonna eat all my turkey. <laughs> and I was like, "What? What's going on?" He's like, "Not now. Not now. I'm interviewing. This is my only interview." Where's that turkey? <laughs> and uh, she, he's like, "No, no, Mrs. Rose, go back. It's only three o'clock." Um, anyways, didn't get the job. Apparently, I was overqualified. I was like, "No, listen to me. I just need that's, a job." That's a thing. Apparently, but uh, finally, I did get a job, and. Uh, yeah, we started making money. We bought a condo. Mm-hmm. We signed up for utility bills. We got a car. Um, we had expenses. Right. And yeah, the real world kind the of real world. kicked you in the ass, right? Yeah. But like, it was like what I always heard you should do. Buy a car. Buy a house. Buy this. Like, be on your own. Be independent. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, we had all these reoccurring expenses that like I could care less about. Sure, I need to live somewhere, but it's not like... Our condo made me super, super happy. I needed my shelter. I do need that. Yeah. Um, yes, you need transportation. But I just saw how much we were spending and how often my wife and I just reminisced about our trip. Right. And we every time we saw a plane going, we, we do this little <laughs> thing like, if you go on that, where would you go? Right. Right. And one time we were sitting laughing about two different stories. Uh, one was... We were in India, and there's a city called Varanasi. They have the Ganges River there. It's, it's a beautiful place. Um, but we were eating every street food you can imagine. Yes. Every single street food. Ooh. Samosas and lassies. And we feel like it was lassies that did it, but we were just drinking these things. And then we got on a train to Delhi, and it was supposed to be like 24 hours, and it would be like 36 with delays. Oh, yeah. 
But uh, our stomachs didn't agree, and we had like an eight-hour romantic date in a tin washroom with our <laughs> <laughs> going no, right on the train tracks, no, like just a hole. Yeah, no shit. Eh? No, I, no shit is right. <laughs> and we were sitting there laughing about this, and we're like, "Oh my god, I wish we'd be back in India." Right. And I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" We're sitting in here in our nice condo. Mm-hmm. Our car sitting outside. Our utility bills giving us the energy we need. All these expenses and. We're spending like three times much sitting idle than it costs to live in India or wherever we were traveling. But yet we're dreaming about being in those shitty situations. We're like, this is wrong. Right. And that's where it really, I guess, a long-winded way to get back to your answer. That's where really my, oh, my wife would probably say obsession mm-hmm. I have about just our money relationship in line with what makes us happy. Right. But why did that, why did your brain go that way with it? Why did you go towards the relationship with the with money and the way we spend it versus like, hey, maybe I should be a travel or tour guide or a travel agent, like, or maybe we should go move to India. Like, how come that wasn't your thought? Well, um, actually, I researched how to become a travel agent yeah. and I, I saw there was like this online franchise that I told my wife, this is the answer. Yeah. And uh, I started my own Enjoy Your World. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think I sold two tickets. Okay. Um, that was five thousand dollars I wasted. Um, so it did go there, but I think uh, it was more of the philosophy of money mm-hmm. that uh, resonated with me because my mind did go there. I'm like I'm just going to travel for a living, mm-hmm. and but it wasn't so much as ex- exploring the world versus um, be more in tune with my money relationship, and yeah. that's where I think a lot of my interest stems from now and. Looking back, you asked about my parents, what they did for us. Mm-hmm. Like so much good research shows how much your formative years from a money perspective impact mm-hmm. how you deal with money right now. Right. And often we never ever go back into those years. And uh, even for me, for example, with my wife and I, my wife uh, often, um, you know, if she wanted something, she would get it. Right. And not, not to, to not, not in a bad way, but I was on the complete opposite end. And then when you get together and you get married, you're like, whoa, why don't we agree on this stuff? Right. Yeah. No, I mean, that must be that must be a huge point of contention with a lot of couples. Yeah. Because you come up with very different strategies based on who you observed when you were younger and what you were taught, if you were taught anything, right? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people are never really given the crash course in, in you know, accounts or, or you know, credit cards or, no. or, you know, RRSPs and all that stuff, right? Yeah, and there's the money models that just usually get instilled with people. Like your parents are like, save your money for rainy day, save your money for rainy day. That goes on. You naturally ingrain that as a yeah. kid because you look up your parents. They're everything to you. Mm-hmm. And um, without actually understanding like where these like philosophies have come from, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's hard to if, – if like actually uh, I'm doing a talk at the, this year about what's your money story. And it kind of touches on like what is your money story. Mm-hmm. And it usually it stems just like every story from when we were a child. Mm-hmm. But if we don't really understand where that came from, it's really hard to modify our story now if it's not a story we want. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was a big thing that me and my, we're humans. We, were, we have to work on this all the time is that we have different money stories. Mm-hmm. I mean, our end goal is similar, like things we want to do align, but how we get there is vastly different. And right. So I think, no, I don't think that's the part where really, the money psychology part is really, really fascinates mm-hmm. me. Um, and I guess that's why I didn't just strictly go to traveling, right? Like, like travel, because again, I thought that was that was the answer for me. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you, you talk to a lot of people, obviously, in your line of work, and, and I'm sure you ask them what their goals are. What's the most common answer when you ask someone, you know, what is your what is your money objective, or what's the objective with your personal finances? What do people typically say? So they'll say the same thing: I want to be free, or I want to retire, mm-hmm. and. I often try to dig deeper, like what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Well, I just want to be retired." Like, I, I, it's I like, I what is to... it that you want to do with that time that you would have then if you were retired? Exactly, right? and that's where that's exactly it. And that's where, so a lot of my clients, like, I have a couple different lives, but a lot of the people I work with are into retirement now, mm-hmm. and a lot of them don't know what to do. They're yeah, just like, what do I do? And we called it the golden years. And I mean, there's. Uh, I, my uncle, for example, he he worked his entire life providing for his family, and um, 
his wife didn't work and just provided for the kids. And um, a couple of years ago, when he did retire, he had some health issues, but uh, she ended up passing away. And mm. um, that also, like, I was already on my evolution when this that happened, but that spoke to me again, mm-hmm. is that we, we, not saying him, for example, delayed gratification, but often I hear people delaying gratification. I'll do this when, I'll do this when. Mm-hmm. But our health changes, um, every, everything can change. Mm-hmm. And if we delay that gratification, I don't know if it's healthy for us. Right. Well, there's a couple of things, right? There's that delayed gratification, which, which is an essential part to being human. Like because we're able to forego something in the present for bigger gains in the future. I mean, right. that's what allows us to be productive and, and, and basically proliferate around the world, right? We realize that, you know, if I can just sit here and listen and, and learn from someone for a couple hours versus going off and eating, you know, or mm-hmm. sitting in the sun, right. then I'm going to be in a better spot in an hour. So I think delayed gratification is super vital, mm-hmm. but I think it's, it's probably the outlook of why am I putting it off and, and am I realistically going to have time? And, right. you know, I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but don't a lot of people's, doesn't health go down quite a bit after they oh, retire? Yeah. So, uh, there's a saying that we have is people trade their health for wealth and then they trade their, when they're, they're wealthy, mm. they trade their wealth for health because right. their health is deteriorated and you're absolutely right. Health deteriorates, our ability to do things deteriorate, the ability to go on that cruise may not be there. Mm-hmm. Um, but something that I, I see, cause I a hundred percent agree with you, delayed gratification, but I, I often find and this is why I, I do my fun little blog called The Most Hated F Word is I, um, I find that we're delaying gratification in, in maybe not the most healthy way. And I say that in the sense of um, like I might like um, so I'm, I'm training for an Ironman and it's not fun training at all. Mm-hmm. Like it's not fun. The journey will be fun at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I know when I do cross that finish line, it's going to be fun in the sense that it's delayed gratification. Or, for example, my wife and I, we intentionally save so that we can go do trips with our family. And that's, again, delayed gratification. But something that I'm seeing more is we're delaying gratification, but we're also delaying things that make us happy. And I guess I can use you, for example. You talked to me about you, you had some previous endeavors and now you're doing something that you enjoy. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I fear that often we're delaying gratification by like even just soul sucking things like we're falling into the rat race of we, we graduate, we go get a job that's the most high paying mm-hmm. job. We don't like our job. Our bosses tell us to do something. We're like, yeah, sure. Okay, no problem. I need it for money. And then mm-hmm. we have to upgrade our house. We upgrade our car. We get a pay raise. We post it on Instagram. We bought a new car to show everybody that, hey, look at this. I made it. Yeah. But yet we're, we're, we're stressed. Yeah. And so... I totally believe in delayed gratification, uh, but I just what I my message that I kind of want to get out is let's be intentional about how we're delaying our gratification. Enjoy right. the journey, I guess. Right. I think you're talking specifically about two two really important things, and and one is is um, work life balance. Right. Mm-hmm. Too many people fall into you know under false pretenses that you have to go work a 40 to 60 hour job week to afford all this shit that you don't actually want, but Mm -hmm. you're just trying to keep up with the Joneses for the sake of it. So it's work-life balance and it's a choice, right? You can make that choice to get into something that you really like doing. Mm -hmm. Like if you told me like I could stop making films and retire tomorrow, I wouldn't want to do that because I actually enjoy the process of what it is that I'm doing. So for me, like retirement is not a goal in any way, shape Mm -hmm. or form. I don't want to stop doing what I like and I happen to get paid for it. So mm-hmm. great. And I, I, I get it and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful and fortunate to be in that position. But almost anyone could get themselves into that position. It's just a matter of making that decision, maybe struggling for a couple of years as you're transitioning and, mm-hmm. and, and finding the right opportunity. But then the other thing too is your perception of like what's important in life. And, and we've, we're on the tail end of this massive era of consumerism and thank goodness I think it's finally on the decline right Mm -hmm. like like you know throughout the throughout the 20th century in America it was all about buy the stuff that's going to make you happy buy Mm -hmm. you know because we're in prosperous times so it's you know get the new appliance get the new house get the new car Mm -hmm. you know all that stuff go on these massive vacations it's like we know we know for a fact that those things don't make us happy 
what makes us happy is spending time doing things that are productive with our loved ones, right? Mm -hmm. And enjoyable. So you don't have to fly first class to Dubai to have a great time. Mm -hmm. You could go on a hike in Jasper. It costs Mm -hmm. nothing, right? Other than the gas and the time of going there. Mm -hmm. But people are just so caught up in, in comparing their lives to other people's lives that it just totally sabotages them. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, you just need to realize we're all in our own race mm-hmm. and, and we're all going at our own pace. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to think that you're in the same race as someone else can have not, even if you win that race, then you still look down at someone else with disdain and be like, ha, I beat you. Yeah. You know, and, and that's not a healthy way to look either. Like we should be looking at like raising everyone up around us. Right. And the interesting thing is I think often like if you win that race, underline you do have an internal story which probably doesn't align with that race and like you might have won the race but internally like ah, it still doesn't feel good right versus if you love hiking and you go do that free hike mm-hmm. um, yeah it's, it's it's very interesting and you bring up the consumerism and it's to me the conversations we hear on a daily basis about I want to buy this I want to buy this and I want to buy this and then the next appointment, the next conversation could be like, oh my God, this payment stresses me out. This payment stresses me out. So mm-hmm. it's that we buy these things that uh, Fight Club end up owning you. Yeah. Talks about. Things we own end up owning you. Yeah. And, and it's so true. And, and then we go through this. Sometimes if we're not careful, we go through this vicious cycle of um, working, 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 and burning ourselves out. And then mm-hmm. they call it... Uh, consumerism ther- therapy where you go and you spend it because you feel like you have to but then what happens mm. it puts you even more of that things that own me and it's just this vicious cycle that goes over and over and yeah. over and we have these commercials and banks telling us to borrow more money and do mm-hmm. these things and only if you get this you're going to be happy right what's what's the biggest mistake that you see people making say a younger person in their 20s young adults 20s early 30s make, making as they're sort of you know going through life at this point so it, it's I, I think it's not it's something I see right now and I, I like it that people are um, they call them millennials I'm a millennial uh, is how old are you? I'm 34 34 I, you're I'm a like millennial? A past, yeah what's he it, what's, I don't know someone told me it's 1985 oh okay I'm, perfect I'm a millennial too okay let's go with it um, they're like you know what we're not going to do the sacrificing that our parents did we're mm. going to go and they always pick on the lattes and I don't think a latte is going to make anyone totally rich the the concept behind it I agree with but mm. not the latte itself I think if, if you allocate your money properly enjoy your latte but <laughs> the, the fact of their almost like the ostrich effect we call it putting the head in the sand mm. around money because they saw their parents struggle so much about yeah. money that I'm not going to care about it and we right. see two type of different people usually one who's super focused on it mm-hmm. and one is just like screw this head's going in the sand yeah. I'm buying like 40 lattes a day yeah um so a mistake would be for me is just is doing that, but I think it comes back down to not understanding their money. I call them your money why or your mm-hmm. financial why. Mm-hmm. Why do you make money? Because mm-hmm. really, why do we make money? Mm-hmm. Uh, money is just a piece of paper. You, I, and everybody else here at some point agreed that a dollar is worth a dollar. Mm-hmm. And... I think when people don't understand why they're making money and what they really want to spend their money on, that could be a huge mistake that snowballs. And it might not seem like the standard answer, like don't pay pay your credit card off. But I mean, we know we've been hearing that for years. Mm-hmm. Pay, or don't pay your pay your. I don't know what I said. Pay your credit card pay off. Your, I'm pretty yeah. sure you're supposed to pay your. Credit oh yeah, card. yeah. Don't pay your credit card. I'm not off. the expert <laughs> yeah. you are, but I'll challenge. Don't you pay the credit. But um. <laughs> I think it's just not understanding like why do we want to make our money or what do we want to do with our time and we don't need boatloads of money Mm -hmm. that's something I do like about this the millennial generation is they're like I'm not going to have to make a ton of money because how how much money we make is just correlated to how much we spend right and if we're crystal clear on what's important maybe our expenses can go down yeah exactly like to be rich you like I mean, what is rich exactly, right? Yeah. But like, you either have to make a shit ton, but chances are your spending goes up at that point too. You ever see the documentary Minimalism? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was really it's cool. so good. There's, there's some guys who are like extremists where they only have like 13 like material possessions, yeah. right? If they buy a new pair of socks, they got to throw the old <laughs> throw ones out or shirts or whatever it is. Um, it'd be an interesting experiment to do, but like, I just don't think many people's lives are, are set up in a way that they're able to do that, right? Like, say you work in an office, say you work, you know, you live in Sherwood Park and you live downtown, or you 
live in Sherwood Park, you work downtown Edmonton. Like, realistically, you kind of need to have a car. Like, you could mm-hmm. not. You could yeah. take the bus every day or you could carpool. But, like, to live, like, you know, convenient life, you've got to have a car. Mm-hmm. So there's immediately the house payment, a car payment, insurance payment. you got to have a cell phone. There's that. Uh, and you got to put food on the table. So there's there's kind of five main expenses in that sense, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the car can be a huge chunk of that. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, if that's the life you set up for yourself, then then that's unfortunate. Those That's the cost of doing business. But, like, if you're like me and you, like, live, live you know, pretty much downtown and you work from home and so I don't have a car, like, there's, cra- like, tons of expenses saved just because mm-hmm. of that, right? Yeah, and it's there's a, there's a movement that goes in line with minimal, minimalism is a uh, fire. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's finan- fire. Fire. The acronym is financially independent, retired early. Oh, okay. So the, the idea is like being minimum with your expenses yeah. and then like <clears throat> retiring light years earlier. So mm-hmm. some people are retiring at 25, 27, 33. Do they actually have enough to see them through to like conceivably they live till a hundred, which is it, likely going to happen. Yeah. Generation? They, as long as the math still makes sense, but mm-hmm. they, they go extremely, like they call it lean fi, financially independent, or fat yeah. fi is a little more. But for me, I like the idea of lowering all your expenses. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the idea is spend as little as possible, save as much as save 50, 60% of everything you make, mm-hmm. and which isn't a, a bad notion. I mean, Canadians say uh, last year the stats was 2.4%. That's it. That's it. Put away in a Put savings away. account, or does that include like investments? The investments, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So it, just to do the math on if someone saves 5% mm-hmm. uh, and they wanted to replace their current income, mm-hmm. saving 5%, it would take 66 years, which is a long time. Right. Um, so this idea of saving more, these the, the fire community save, like I said, 50, 60, sometimes more. Mm-hmm. But they, they save a ton and there's... Um, there's a Trinity study that looked at if you pull off 4% of your investments, mm-hmm. you can live off it for until until it runs out. But it's supposed to be 30 years. Like yeah. You can live off it for sure for 30 years, but it's going to go indefinitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so what they do is they save up, say it's a million dollars, they save a million dollars and they can live off 40 grand a year. Right. And the investment pays themselves. So like I like that concept because it's all about lowering your expenses. Right. Like, in their eyes, and I agree with it, mm-hmm. it, it's much powerful to lower an expense of say $500 than make $500 more. Because if I'm making $500 more, I'm trading my finite time indefinitely for that $500 right. and I gotta continue to do that. Now there's an argument, if I enjoy what I'm doing, this is a different conversation. Mm-hmm. This is more around people who really don't like what they're doing. For sure. I mean, you also kind of eliminate the option of like growing. Like if you're continually trying to, trying to contract, like at least growing, there's no end to how much you can grow, but contracting, there's a limit to how much you right, can contract, for sure. right? And if I'm not thinking of working harder, or working longer hours, then how am I ever going to evolve in that in that professional space? Totally, and that's there's a lot of other people. There's a guy named Ramit Sethi. He's a personal finance guy, and he's big on what you're saying. There is like, sure, let's let lower expenses, but like find a business you like and grow in that yeah. business. And so. Right. That's something that I, I truly believe in is like, yeah, like I should be very attuned to all my expenses. Mm-hmm. And if I don't like something, I shouldn't spend money on it. Right. Uh, if I'm not emotionally attached to it, I should lower it. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, me and my wife, we have two kids, but we rent out our basement because uh, I don't need a basement. You don't need that space. I don't need right? that space. And yeah. You talk about cars and uh, I did a blog about the true cost of car ownership and mm-hmm. in Canada... Uh, there's a study that showed on average when we include depreciation because not many people include depreciation on a car it's about $10,000 a year we spend on a car wow. gas, depreciation, mm-hmm. insurance, repairs, everything Right. Um, and I did a crazy little analysis and I said like if you bought a 10 year old car mm-hmm. and then rode it out for 5 years like say you don't need to commute too much and I know not everybody can do this yeah. versus someone who just buys a brand new car depreciates it down for 5 years and sells it yeah um, it could be a, over 30 years, it could be like $700,000 in saving. Oh, wow. And it's extreme, but it, yeah. it was just a good exercise to see that cars cost a ton of money. So you buy an older car that's already lost m- most of its value due to depreciation, yeah. right? Um, yeah, do you think that they're making cars to, to uh, 
to degrade quicker now. <laughs> Probably. Right? Yeah. Like you seem to see, you seem to see like a lot a fewer older cars from generations ago, but then like you don't see as many like in the last couple yeah, of decades. Right? I know. Uh, apparently, from all uh, I, 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 my wife and I buy old cars, yeah. and our research Where's always your goes. Where's spot? Is like, a good spot to buy old cars from? Uh, nice car dealerships. Yeah. So like we bought my wife's car from a Lexus dealership, but it was a it was a Honda. Okay. So was, I'm making assumptions right now. The individuals probably had extra income and uh, wanted to upgrade to a Lexus and said, "Here you go, have ah, this car." So okay. maybe they take better care of it than that. I don't know. But yeah. that's my uh, that's where I found my car too. Is, Fair enough. Is, uh, it's good enough for Lexus. It's good enough for you guys. Yeah, but it's a Honda. Yeah. <laughs> it was oh. an old Honda. Yeah. And mine was an old Toyota. At a, BMW dealership. Okay. All right. Interesting. I'll have to check it out when I look for a car. Um, There's definitely an element of removing the ego when it comes to some types of financial, Mm -hmm. you know, cutting back and saving, right? Like you said, rent out your basement. There's lots of people who would say, you know, I'm not, we've got a family, we've got two young kids and and my wife said, oh, I I can't rent out my basement. That's not what a family should do. Mm -hmm. But like removing those preconceptions and that, and that ego to be like, who cares what I'm supposed to do? What what is financially viable, or what right. makes sense, or what's what's effective for me to do? Right? Yeah, there's there's a lot. Like, I drive a 2011 vehicle, mm-hmm. and people are like, "Why do you drive that?" Because like, it's cheap. <laughs> like, <laughs> and like, Uber came up with a study that showed when they were pitching Uber that we drive our our, our cars sit idle for 96 percent right. of our life. Yeah, I've heard that. And if you do the math on how much a trip cost you mm-hmm. like if you just if you drive for an hour a day mm-hmm. do the math on how much your car costs you use the average of ten thousand dollars a year and figure out how many hours a year right it's crazy yeah so but there's a huge ego um how much time does it save you okay yeah not a ton like no not a, not a ton um but you said going back you asked me a, a mis- not a mistake but i think the word was a mistake but with that ego where I feel like it's enabled us to drive old cars. Um, mm-hmm. My wife's car is like dings all over the door. I'm like, it still works. Mm-hmm. Like, and she's like, it still works. And her neighbor's like, you can get that fixed. <laughs> it doesn't impact the safety. It's a side yeah. door. But right. um, is we really try to be crystal clear on recognizing that when we go to work, sure, we both really like our job. Actually, my wife just got a new job teaching at McEwen. Nice. Her. She, she's really good at what she does. But um, we're really clear, though, as we work, we take time away from our family and us and doing our things that really give us like the joie de vie in life that makes us excited and where we want to spend money. Mm-hmm. We like what we do. So we realize that if I can spend less on a car, I can get rent in my basement. Mm-hmm. It then enables me and allows me to do more of the things that I really like to do, which is back to, we love to travel. We Up, travel. Upgrade from street food. Upgrade that from your, street that food. That should Although, be your first goal. Yeah. The experience, you, we still, we, we were in Mexico in March and my daughter was three months and we were in Puerto Vallarta walking like in the back village part, yeah. eating conchinita. It's like an amazing uh, taco yeah. on the street with our three-month-year-old daughter and my wife's like, what are we doing? I'm like, we're eating Conchonita and it's so good. <laughs> and anyone well, get sick? Uh, no one got sick. No one got sick. You've got to at least get your daughter good food. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, she, she, my wife was feeding her with the <laughs> breastfeeding. But, um, and so that's where the ego can be eliminated with us is we're, we know that I, I can care less about vehicles. Right. But I also like to, if I want to work less, work less. If I want to yeah. go and travel. Uh, yeah, we just try to be crystal clear on the things because we trade our time for money. Yeah. What you said makes a lot of sense because so often like people who are just working a job every week that they don't like, they don't really have a goal. They don't have a target, right? So when you have no specific goal, you're, you know, a little money here spent on this, a little money spent on that. Like, you know, you try to increase instead of sort of like picking your moments, you should try to increase your overall comfort at all times, mm-hmm. which like, you know, comfort's like anything you can get used to. You get used to any level of comfort, right? You can easily get used to, you know, three-star hotels, two-star hotels, yeah. or you can get accustomed to five-star hotels, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think it's, uh, I don't know, I think it's either Ricky Gervais or Louis C.K. who said, like, 
He's like, yeah, when I got started off, I was staying at like the motel on the side of the highway. And like, I didn't care. I was just out there working. He's like, but now it was Louis CK because he's an asshole. <laughs> he's like, but now I go to five star hotels and I'm miserable. He's yeah. like, I complain all the time because the expectation is so much higher, yeah. right? Because I'm expecting five star service. Now, any one thing that's wrong, I bitch and complain about, right? Yeah. So he's like, I was way happier just gutting it out at the motel. Oh, I've never heard. That's a good one. Yeah, That's, it's a great story, right? Like I moved down to Calgary. So when I was switching my careers, I moved down to Calgary for three months into my buddy's house because I was working on a TV show down there for a production company. And uh, he had a room free, but the only, like there was no bed there. All I had was this little like single width fold out. It was actually a chair, like with like a double foam mattress that like folded <laughs> out and the legs came out to a bed. So I was basically sleeping on like a bunk. Like it was like, it was like a military like bunk that's like just an inch wider than my shoulders. And so I made that up and put, you know, put a sheet on that and I slept on that every night and everyone was kind of like, like, why don't you go buy a bed or why don't you go like, you know, rent something? And I was like, I don't need to spend money on that. And it was almost like a little bit of a test in like mental fortitude. If it's like, if I can adjust to this, actually it's something they used to do in stoicism too, mm -hmm. right? It, it, it's a, a feeling of like, if I can adjust to a feeling of uncomfort, how much better am I going to be in all of life's uncomfortable situations, right? Yeah. So it's sort of, you know, there, there's an interesting, interesting philosophy around, around comfort or rather mm -hmm. discomfort. Yeah. And just going back to like, money and research and there's a book called happy money i can't remember it's two behavioral psychologists who uh wrote the book but they talk exactly about that and they actually give an example from marcus aurelius who mm. talks about how um like you might be correct me if i'm wrong but to put yourself in certain uh, like challenge yourself to be uncomfortable mm -hmm. like whether it's walking around in clothes that you normally like, put yourself in positions that's going to be uncomfortable so you can get used to that and the book talks then about the opposite with money and it just goes on to show that sports car for example and i hate to pick on cars but that's something that i sometimes do <laughs> uh, and maybe there's a good reason why to buy nice cars but I, I haven't figured it out yet um but they they tracked people's happiness levels mm -hmm. with cars and it was like through the roof when they bought brand new sports cars and because they're happy for the first month or two right and then it slowly declined and they tested it against another group who just bought the average run-the-mill car. Yeah. And all of a sudden, their happiness actually went lower, and they were becoming frustrated with the really? car because it was a symbol of, I spend so much money on this car, and yeah. I barely drive it. Yeah. And uh, they had a good suggestion there. I don't, I don't know if they have this in Canada, but they talked about in New York, you can go in a car club where you pay a membership a year, and mm -hmm. you get like these random nice cars. And so you get that like, endorphin, dopamine rush. Yeah. But then it's not yours. You just get it when you really need yeah. it, when you really jones in for a fix. Right, yeah. Like a treat. And I think it's they have one here, actually. Oh, it's called, um, it's called Turno or Turin? Oh, or? Turo. Turo, that's Turo, it. Yeah, the car rental, yeah. My actually, I was just um, I was looking for a car next Thursday to use. <laughs> oh, and my buddy just texted me. He's like, "Check out this app." Oh, okay, so yeah. I, I just came across that, but yeah. yeah, it makes sense. But I mean, it's not that cheap. Like, if you want a nice sports car, it's still gonna cost you two hundred fifty, five hundred yeah. bucks, right? Yeah. But yeah, I don't... versus paying like two hundred grand for one though. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. If they need that that little, um, I guess that little dopamine rush, but because it's to your point of you buy that car. Mm -hmm. And now your expectations race to that car. It's like mm -hmm. I have a sports car and this doesn't even make me excited anymore. Yeah. Same as him staying in hotels. It's like a hot wife. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't make, make me excited anymore. Yeah. <laughs> that, but what I mean by that is you got to have some substance behind it, yeah. right? The hot wife's fine if she's got a great personality. But yeah. if, you know, if she's hurting in the personality department, that shit's going to fade. Yeah. <laughs> well, I like what you guys have done, though. It makes it seems like you're really, you're really deliberate with the choices you make and, mm -hmm. and, and the actions that you take, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's good. Like I said, a lot of people don't really think about it they're just sort of going through the motions whether it's what they spend their money on or, or what they do for work or you know all these things like people don't pick targets and mm -hmm. i think that's one of the biggest saboteurs in our in our day and age now is people not picking a target that they can aim for even if it's not the target they want to go with for the rest of life at least right, it's getting yeah. you in the right direction mm -hmm. right yeah and i think when you you pick those targets you learn you probably it's not going to be a straight line there, mm. but you have a destination. Mm. And in that journey along the way, I think it's so valuable because it just makes you 
I guess a stronger person and learn so many valuable lessons for the next target that you pick can uh, help you get there further. Um, but yeah, I think you're right about like a big, I guess, intent throughout all our conversations is just trying to get people to be aware and conscious of their spending, mm-hmm. not to obsess about money, mm-hmm. not to like say no to money Mm -hmm. to just realize money is a piece of paper that helps us facilitate certain transactions it has no value until we put it into use of something that's value but Mm -hmm. we don't get that until we're conscious and it's just hard the way things are set up right now that we just put our head down and go Mm -hmm. and then we hope we hope that those golden years are actually golden right what's your thought on the thing you do for money to earn your living what's how, how philosophically aligned with whatever it is that you're doing do you think you need to be? In like, terms of like your 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 do you believe, calling? Yeah, do, yeah, you, your do you believe in the work that you're doing? Like, do, like is it different for everyone? Like, here's yeah. an example, right? I know a guy working on a film that he didn't... He, he And he was just doing a crew job on it, but he didn't... It was like a political doc. He didn't really believe in the message of the film more not that he didn't believe it he was just more in circles that were on the other side of the debate of this political okay, issue yeah. right so so when it came time to to do the credits for the film he said i don't know that i want my name to be on this because i'm in a lot of circles that are on the other side of this issue and so we had this discussion of it and i you know part of me was saying well look you're just doing a job and getting paid for it so mm-hmm. like it shouldn't really matter to the people of circles you're in i was like that's one way you can cop out that way pretty easily mm-hmm. but the other thing to look at is like okay even if you are on the other issue doing work for the other side it's like that's the best opportunity you're going to have to learn about that issue and you're going to learn from the other side right mm-hmm. like we're so careful of keeping our our two groups separate in terms of like pol- especially political issues we don't take the time to actually try and understand the other person or the other side. Mm-hmm. And so my example to him was like, okay, say you got invited to go work on a on a, uh, a cereal commercial. Well, sugar is one of the worst things. Refined sugar is one of the worst epidemics we have in North America. Like, are you going to get chastised for working on a cereal commercial? Because mm-hmm. fundamentally, you shouldn't really be on side with, with your average cereal company yeah. philosophically. So that was sort of my example. But anyway, that was a long roundabout question to be like, how, how in tune do you need to be to what you're doing? Well, I think it, so I'm going to go into the serial commercial. Then this is just my perspective of uh, relating to money. So if I'm going to go work on a serial commercial and I'm doing it to make money mm-hmm. and say like I have young kids and there's tons of sugar in some cereals mm-hmm. and say I actually... Like, for example, I, I wouldn't necessarily want, this is a hard one, but I, I would, I like your point about, I'd be interested to see their perspective, but I'm going to go back to the money thing. If I'm, if I'm doing something that is against my values mm-hmm. to earn money mm-hmm. personally, I think that could cause troubles down the road. If mm-hmm. my end goal is just for money. Mm-hmm. However, if you're clear on what you're going to do with that money and that is providing for your family, providing um, traveling or of some sort. I think if you're aware of, hey, I'm going into this to learn about cereal. I'm a good filmmaker. I'm a good commercial maker. I, I don't agree with them, but I'm going to learn. But I'm making money and I'm not just doing it for the greed of making money and making mm-hmm. billions of dollars. And I guess we can go back like on the smoking smoking part of yeah. like with cigarettes. Some of these companies, if they're just doing it to make a ton of money, ton of money, I think the intent in the, is, is wrong. And for me, if we're doing things just to have a stack of money and it's against our values, personally, mm-hmm. I, I, I would stray away from that. It's, a, it's such a slippery slope though, right? Because, you know, okay, here's an example. Would you punch me for $10? No. Would you punch me for a billion dollars? If you want half, <laughs> yeah. So, no, yeah. So we all know what type of person you are. Now we're just haggling <laughs> on price, right? And it's kind of the same. Like you know, everyone's got a price for something. You're you're, you're absolutely right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, anyway, there's no right right or wrong answer yeah. to that. That's one of those you know philosophy questions that it just you hope to align the best that you can. I think. Yeah. Um, so now when it comes to what you're doing, Sean, um, you've you got, got me off guard on that one. <laughs> that was a good sorry, one. Sorry about no, it, no, friend. that was a good one. Sorry. Um, so you've got, you've got a conference coming up, um, in September where you're going to be talking a lot about these things. So, mm-hmm. so 
give our listeners here a little bit of information, what they can expect, and you know, show tell us why it's not one of those fucking hokey, greasy yeah. sort of financial conferences. Okay, so we all have seen on Facebook, on Instagram, these conferences typically held at a hotel where they're going to make you rich really quickly and you're going to live the best life and everything's going to be okay and mm-hmm. happy ever after. The truth is, it's probably not going to happen. Uh, you talked about delayed gratification. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of simple things in personal finance that require a lot of discipline. Mm-hmm. And that's why we don't do it. We're humans. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of eating less calories and working out or buying a treadmill and actually riding on it and not using a clothes hanger, we spend billions of dollars in Canada on weight loss programs mm-hmm. because we want the quick, quick fix. Our conference is not going to be about quick fix. Mm-hmm. It's about real personal finance things that everybody can relate to. Um, the reason why I wanted to do it under the most hated F word is because my uh, financial planning business, I don't want to attribute it at all. Mm-hmm. It has zero r- relation to it. It's free information in the sense of there's no sign up for course level two, sign up for the second part, get your credit card out and buy. There's nothing to buy. Right. We have seven people who believe in the same mission and I do is just to make financial literacy more personal finance more accessible mm-hmm. and to get people talking about finance um, so we have uh, we have a speaker who just got nominated um, for the Alberta Business Hall of Fame he, he's, he's, he's an amazing guy mm-hmm. he's coming to talk about his relationship with money and following your passions because that's what he's always done he mm-hmm. sold a company to to IBM actually um, really interesting guy is it a chief? Yeah. Oh, you got a chief speaking. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. A chief's okay. been on this podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, great. All right. Even yeah. a higher endorsement from me. Now. Uh, yeah. Um, so he's coming. Um, uh, we have a guy who's a really good speaker talking about debt. He, mm-hmm. he goes around the country talking about debt. Yeah. Uh, we have a lawyer talking about what you need to know before you go. Uh, a lot of people, families... Well, go where, die? Die, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I was yeah. like, oh, you're going on another trip. Yeah. Right. Well, um, but a lot of people have families and kids, they don't realize it's not a fun, sexy, hey, mm-hmm. I'm going to make you rich topic, but it's super applicable because yeah. if people have, uh, most people do need a will, yeah. uh, especially if you have family and kids. Yeah. Uh, I'll be talking about your money story. Um, we have a, a great girl who blogs just about money and she's a mom uh, from a female's perspective. She's mm-hmm. fantastic. And so it, it, it's on our website, all seven speakers, but... We want to create a venue for people to talk about money in a safe, non-judgmental area. And yeah. I find that it, that doesn't really exist right now. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, look what I got. Look what I got. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, like you're sweating because you're like, I can't afford it. And yeah. So I guess that's the intent. We're going to have two facilitated workshops. We're really trying to bring home the learnings because I want it to go beyond just the information in the in the room. Yeah, I, I think it's such a great event. and. You know, having looked into it and the fact that, you know, all the proceeds are going to, uh, oh, it's escaping me now. Which Junior is, Achievement, right. Junior That's achievement, the best part right? of it. That's yeah. the best part. You're not setting up this big event with all this information so you can profit. No. All, all the proceeds are going to Junior Achievement. And, and what exactly do they do? So Junior Achievement is a nonprofit. It's actually international. There's just different chapters everywhere. But we have a Northern Alberta one. Mm-hmm. And their aim is to build financial literacy in the youth. So they go into schools, they give uh, financial literacy programming to students. Uh, we have volunteers that will give up their personal time, go into school and teach kids about budgeting, money. Um, they also have a company program, which is excellent, where they'll take high school students and put them into a company and the company, like a, just a business, and they take them through building up another company. Mm. And it is so, you hear these kids, they build real products. Yeah. Uh, and at the Alberta Business Hall of Fame this year, they were showcasing them and just incredible things that these kids are making and selling them and actually making a viable business. Right. So Junior Achievement's amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, a, you know, great, great uh, landing spot for the money made there. And obviously, that's exactly what you're trying to do is propagate this information that so people can be in a better spot once they start having that responsibility, right? Not falling behind the eight ball like so right. many of us do. Yeah. Um, to me, the, the female speaker on females and money is going to be really interesting because, you know, hopefully she covers the fact that a lot of females have to put their careers on hold when they decide to have a kid, right? And that's a huge, you know, that's a huge sticking point for yeah. a lot of people. Uh, sorry, as you're saying that, I was like, wow. So she says to me, she's like, 
You know what? I've been able to make, I can't remember, three or four income streams while as a mat leave. Good. Good so, for her, right? To your point, yeah. uh, she didn't want to put her future on hold. Mm-hmm. And so she started blogging about money and being a mom with kids. And That's amazing. And she, yeah, I, she's got great videos on her yeah. website. Um, motherhood, uh, oh, mixed up money, but she calls it like motherhood. Um, Money and macchiatos or something. Macchiatos. Macchiatos. Sorry, <laughs> macchiatos. But mixed up money is her yeah. website. And yeah, super neat for perspectives. So. Yeah. I mean, that's such an important thing too is to show people that there's so many ways to make money. You don't have to go that typical stream of work, the nine to five, you know, office mm-hmm. job. Like you can do it from home on a computer. And, you know, I, I'm excited for your event because I, I got like, I think I was 22 or 23. I don't even know how I got sucked into it now, but I got sucked into this like, presentation in Calgary that was like go like learn how much money you can make as a financial planner financial whatever Mm -hmm. strategist and so you sit down I was in a group of people we're all dressed up nice I'm this naive young like 22 year old kid they start going about over how much money you can make how much I've earned this quarter (laughs) what you need to do it's basically a pyramid scheme right and so by the end of it like I was like oh okay I don't get the greatest and I didn't know what was wrong with it because I didn't know that world well enough but I got this intuitive feeling of like this is bullshit and you guys are you guys are just fakers um so yeah I pulled out of that one pretty quick but but I think I, I went through I, the same thing. Yeah, I feel like your event's going to leave a way better taste in people's yeah. mouth. Um, so before I get you to tell me where everyone can find your your information on your event and, and uh, the most hated F word, I know you did a blog, and one of the blogs was um, the best value restaurants in Edmonton. Yeah. So I just want to get give some value to the listeners okay. at this point. What are your top picks for for best value and cheapest places to go eat. So I have a list of like 30 and I might go off my top 10, but number, not number one, there's no number one because there's too many good spots, mm-hmm. but Coco's Fried Chicken on 127th Street and mm-hmm. just off 137th, it's like seven ninety nine for six pieces of chicken, but they're huge Korean fried chicken. It nice. Is, it is amazing. Uh, Paradiso, I believe I put on there. Mm-hmm. It's a little Latino market on 118th Ave. Yeah. And you can go in there and get the Mexican tamales. And oh, they're <laughs> so good. They're like $3. Awesome. Okay. Uh, another chicken. Uh, <laughs> someone wrote me like, well, it's not really a vegan friendly. But I was like, oh. Like, well, maybe My next bad, time. I'm not vegan. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Sorry that you have to impart your values on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, Island Grill. Okay. On Stony Plain Road, Jamaican chicken. What? Okay, that's fried or uh, jerk chicken. Five ninety nine again. Come on. But it super well it's cooked. Island chicken. I, Island grill. Island grill. Island grill. One fifty six Stony Plain Road. Writing that down. I love jerk chicken. <laughs> oh yeah, they're they're so good. But they sell out a lot. So you got to and then they'll have different batches. You give them a call before you go in and say, do you have any jerk chicken? The patties are always sold out. Yeah. Um, on Tuesday nights, I, I, I love Asian food. Um, Grain of Rice has this uh, noodled beef and broccoli. That's 10 bucks and two people can eat it. So wow. $10, uh, two people eat it. Uh, that, that one's excellent. Grain of Rice. This one wasn't on there, but this is my go-to for shawarma sunbake. Yeah. Have you heard no. of this? Oh, sunbake. It's uh, 132nd Avenue in like 97th Street. You okay. Google down. Oh, Eight ninety nine, ninety nine nine yeah. for like a huge shawarma. Big shawarma, big and second. So good. And what this, time do they open till? Can I get that shit after the bar? No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. They're uh, just such good. All their their food, Lebanese, and just they've. Uh, I can't say it properly. Fatirs. Okay. Uh, super good there, but for for my wife and I, like the reason why we posted that is because we eat out quite a bit. Mm-hmm. We eat out these places, yeah. <laughs> and like our average bill is like. Under twenty bucks, oh, yeah. for sure, right? We should go to other like Joe or Cactus Club. Nothing against those places. Yeah. I have a lot of friends that work there. But, <laughs> sorry, guys. Uh, but you can't eat for two people with like drinks for more. You know, for under under forty bucks, basically, yeah. right? And it adds up. And I, I I look back. I've done this calculation: the happiness per unit, and like just calculated how many hours I enjoyed the food to buy the bill. And I was like, wait. I can substantially lower this if I'm looking for a good food experience, good like entertain like entertaining event eating. Mm-hmm. My best value is here, and I we value food and we we like to eat out a lot. But if we eat out too much, 
on the expensive places, then it has to cut somewhere else. Like For sure. travel, we just choose not to. So that's why I put that Very together. cool. Yeah, I guess it's all about trade-offs, man. And, and you seem to have it figured out for the most part. So Oh, I'm dreaming. Yeah, I'm yeah. Make well, but you think about it, and that's the important part. So yeah. I appreciate you coming on and sharing you know, some of this information and look forward to the event. Is there anything that, that we missed at this point that you want to talk about? Or No, I appreciate what you're doing, and I think it's great you're uh, getting things out about the City of Champions. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, if anyone's interested, they can go to the most hated fword.com and check out the event site. And uh, um, typically, the most hated F word gets spelt somewhere wrong yeah. in the URL. So okay. the most hated F word. And so watch the spelling. Yeah. Smarten up. And uh, tickets are there. So perfect. Cool. Sean, it. thanks so much. Really appreciate it, man. Have thanks. a good day. Day two. Thanks, listeners, for tuning in. Uh, September 28th is the conference, Shifting Your Financial Course. Uh, make sure to check it out. I think that I will be there as well, so say hi if you come. Uh, I'll link everything in the episode notes. Lastly, this episode of City Champions is brought to you by Unit B Coworking. Unit B is a multi-company co-working space focused on helping people pursue their passions and making Edmonton its creative best. Join a tight-knit group of freelancers, startups, and established organizations all dedicated to getting things done. Besides desks and offices, Unipi offers members access to its podcasting studio and meeting spaces, as well as a kitchen, Wi-Fi, and the usual amenities, which is huge, because if you're anything like me, you know working from home can be isolating, and sometimes you just need to shake things the hell up. It's located in the historic McKinney Building on 104th Street, close to everything downtown, including the Bay LRT station. So book a tour today at unitb.ca. That's all for this week, guys. Can't wait to see you next time. Take care.